Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 101, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey off-seasons. Once again, thank you to our listeners who have gotten us to over 100 episodes. We had huge success with last week's episode with the Heat Daddy himself. We're back with 101, though. Going to be the last episode before the 4th of July break. Very excited. Collins, we'll throw it to you first. Big weekend of content for you. Yeah, massive weekend and actually a, a massive week. I am nonstop over the next coming days. I have off tomorrow, which is great because Wednesday is a remote day uh, at STX. But uh, yeah, this past weekend, I was in uh, New Jersey at Lax for the Cure, which was which was a good time uh, raising money playing lacrosse and selling some sticks. I was out with actually one of one of Murph's buddies, Emma Ward, if that name rings a bell. She's a pretty big deal in the in the women's lacrosse world. Shout out to my girl, Emma Ward, friend of the pod. If you are looking for some entertainment, Google Emma Ward lacrosse highlights. Electric. She's unreal. One of the best players to watch in college lacrosse. Dishes it from Gretzky's office like no one else. She's she's great. Got some good content of the Team STX athletes out there. Sold a crap ton of sticks. And uh, this week, got my actual in-office start with STX. Got two new cameras from STX, which is great. I don't know why, but they're trusting the intern with a $12,000 camera. We'll see what goes from there. I'm filming with only Varro. If you're on lacrosse TikTok, you've probably seen this guy. He plays D3 at Rosemont. I'm driving 20 minutes away from my house to the National High School Lacrosse Showcase, which should be a lot of fun. Collins, like this time of year, you're so dialed in on lacrosse. Like I know it's your internship for the summer. Like, are you finding a hockey fix to stay in tune with things? Like there's nothing going on. You you locked in on the NHL draft. Are you getting your hockey fix or are you tuning it out for the summer? I don't know. I feel like I've kind of taken my break. I kind of tuned out from hockey for a little bit. I think it, it, I really started tuning out after the first round of the playoffs. I'm going to get back on the ice soon. Sometimes I feel like you just, especially with how, how long our season is, you start in August, you finish in March, you need that time to reset. So I'm thinking probably next week or the week after I'm going to start getting back on the ice, start training for, for next season. But I got to pay more attention to the draft. I don't think any ACHA guys are getting drafted this year, so you should be good to tune that one out. No, I know. We already know Bedsy is is a lock for one. I don't know. With STX, though, there's some pretty cool opportunity with, with hockey. I mean, right next to my desk is an STX Halo, which is the equivalent to the Bauer agent, which is it's a pretty sick stick. It's really lightweight. Yeah, just going to try to get on the ice soon. That's pretty much it. That was a long winded answer. That's all right. We, we would expect nothing less from you. We're, we're, we're fired up. We're ready to go for this one. Herm, I'll throw it over to you because AHL season just ended. Like what what is your workload like right now? Like I know the Comets haven't been playing for a while, but you, you like what what are you doing on a daily basis right now? Because I know everyone listening knows you work in Utica and you work for the sports teams and a couple of restaurants. But like what does your work look like right now? At this point, it's very much a reduced workload. Our typical hours during the work week are nine to five and then game day is nine to 11:30 p.m. So we kind of get our hours back in the summer where we go nine to three. Today was a couple of social media posts, a uh, little bit of working on my photography portfolio, popping over to Babes at Harbor Point to put up some signage and take a couple of photos of some of the the new pine glasses that they had. That's kind of what a, a day in the life looks like for me at this point. I actually have been getting my hockey fix. I did watch some of the Calder Cup. Got to got to support the Capitals and there's just something about Capitals beating teams in their first years in the final of their respective leagues. Just got to say that. Doesn't happen often. 
does not. We'll keep the minor league hockey discussion going. We'll throw to Fitzy. Fitzy, you just have big news written on the sheet tonight. What do you got for us? Been biting my tongue on this one for a while, boys, but the ink is dry. I'm headed back to Alabama, Huntsville this time. I signed with the Huntsville Havoc and the SP. That's the big news. Been holding it in. I mean, I signed officially last week, but it's it's been like in the works for, I'd say, probably two or three weeks now. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'll be uh, 45 minutes from where I was last year. Hopefully things turn out better this time. Fitzy, having gone through that experience when you first got down to Alabama and the SP last year, like what are you looking to do differently in the off season so that you stay there a little bit longer? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was like my mindset going in. And it's so funny because I always tell people like, oh, like bet on yourself, like be super confident and all this. And then I go down there and I'm like, oh, shit, like <laughs> there's guys, you know, dropping down from the coast. They've played on the U.S. national development team, uh, guys who played in the O. And I'm like, I'm just some 155 pounds soaking wet kid out of the ACHA played like two years of AAA hockey like I don't belong here kind of thing I think that's the biggest thing going at like this offseason I'm kind of just like visualizing and telling myself like hey like you belong there just as much as anyone else and the coach seems really nice he was a defenseman when he played so I got that working for me I think I coming in with a better attitude is going to help a lot Fitz, you have no idea how small the hockey world is because the moment you just said Huntsville, if anyone knows the NHL video game scene at all, you might be familiar with the name Don't Be Sod 20. He's a streamer, has been around for years and years. He and I became friends when I was streaming Chell and have stayed in contact as I went my way in social media and he went his. He's the director of digital content for the Huntsville Havoc. So the first thing I'm doing, because Fitz didn't give us any heads up on this whatsoever, is I am going to immediately shoot a a message over to Lucas and be like, you have a gem and a half on your hand. And I'm going to hear it every single time the moment you don't do a media appearance. Great, great kid down there. He, Lucas Lucas is such a hard worker and an even better person. So this is this is a wonderful, this is a wonderful setup you're going to have. Tell Lucas he's got to get working on the graphic. What are we waiting for here, Fitz? Is the, you said the ink's dry. Where's the graphic? The, the ink's dry. I got the contract right here. And that's, a, that's another interesting thing is, so last year I, I just signed a PTO, which is just professional trial out you show up to main camp and you don't have a contract you're trying to make the team and then out of main camp they offered me a, you know a contract i signed that you know what happened i was there for a month and then i ended up leaving this year they gave me a standard player contract so they call it spc a step above a pto so i don't know if that means anything obviously i can still get you know released or whatever but it's cool it's exciting and uh, we'll see what happens did you ask for wi-fi in your contract <laughs> huntsville i'll send you guys the recruitment video after this they they take care of you like big time each player is in a house so you're not like a full-on house with like two or three other guys. It's not just apartments, full-on house. The way it was described to me is it's like Binghamton on steroids with like the, they get, they get like, you know, thousands of fans each night. Uh, the rink's sick, locker room's sick. And then obviously like, yeah, they take care of the housing and all that. So I'm looking forward to it. Definitely keeping a level head this time. And like I said, hopefully it goes well. Have you guys seen the Havoc's awful night that they do every year? It is no. the funniest thing. I don't know if they still do it. The whole premise is that the game experience is 
awful, like in a in a funny way. So like the scoreboard is in Comic Sans. Instead of getting like a bobblehead when you enter, you get a packet of ramen and a spork. It is one of the funniest promotional nights I've ever seen. That's like you guys ever been to Dick's Last Resort, the restaurant where they like make you wear the funny hat and they just chirp you the whole meal. I've seen videos on it on social, but I've never been. I've never been either. But yeah, I've never been either. But I feel like that was like a big, I don't know, eighth grade graduation. You go with your friends to Boston for a trip and your parents take pictures of you and put it on Facebook if you wearing the silly hat that says like, I was a mistake or something like that. Anyways, I guess it's my turn to talk now. I should have I should have gone first before Fitzy. I don't even know how I follow that up. Looking forward to going home. Going to head to the lake house this weekend. Going to take the train from New York to Boston and drive up. So really looking forward to seeing the family. We're going to be a remote week for 4th of July. Got the internship project to do in the background. Going to be the best work from home setup I've ever experienced. But all in all, it's a good week. I, I keep seeing more people block the box in New York City. And I just feel like I should get out there with a ref shirt and a whistle and control people a guy with a trailer went into the box after the light turned red i just want i want to you know flag down blow the whistle like i don't know people got to have more respect on the streets i people ask about the commute to new york i'm a very big like what goes around comes around guy so i just like constantly build good karma because i don't want to be in a position where my bus is late my flight's late i lose my luggage so i always think to myself like hey this isn't the worst thing in the world like it could be i'm trying to save up my good karma for that time when i'm running behind and i need everything to work well so my big thing now is like when i get on the bus in New York City and I see somebody else running to the bus, I'll fumble around with my phone and like take forever to get my Apple pay out. And the, the people behind, they love that gesture because they they can get on the bus in time. They don't have to worry about pulling off. So I'm all about building good karma in New York City. I'm, I'm one with the New Yorkers. I'm going to say this and then next week a rat's going to eat me. Like I, I'm just going to jinx myself there. But it's been fun being in the city, having a really good time about the halfway point of the internship. So looking forward for going home for the break. Let's get into the lead though. We, we talked about this a little bit. We, we actually just danced around it with the Hershey Bears talk. Lots of ACHA ties with the Hershey Bears. We got a message from Northern Illinois that former player Max Finley who is now the athletic trainer with the Bears, was an ACHA guy. We posted that. As soon as that post hit the shelves, we got a message from the IUP guys. They were I've never heard, remind me, but like never have we ever posted something where like people told us what to post next. There was like eight comments. IUP players being like, you forgot Kyle Harris. So then we search Kyle Harris. He's not on the official roster, but that's because he works at Hershey Park. That's his day job. And then he walks on over to Giant Arena and he's the equipment assistant. He's helping out with the crew. He was the first guy called at their ceremony the other day. Awesome to see. He played at IUP and graduated recently. We got two connections at Cal U, Pennsylvania. They have an equipment manager there, Josh Carter, and then Jordan Lockhart works in the office. He's a manager and head of group sales. So, I mean, that's snaps all around for the ACHA guys just getting their name in the news with the Calder Cup. It is our dream when something happens, it's like, okay, how can we make this about the ACHA? And the Hershey Bears did that. They won the Calder Cup. They got to bring home the trophy with a bunch of ACHA guys on it. Don't forget me. I had uh, I had ties to the Bears. Very, very important ties. I played at the Giants Center when I was at Bantam. Imagine we put out that graphic. It's like Collins once played at Giants Center. People are like, what? That- it's got four <laughs> likes. Me, me and you. <laughs> Her fits. Which is the better graphic, that one or the Texas one that was like highest GPA in team history, 2.83? <laughs> that one's up there. The Penn State one that was like a Penn Stater has played in every Super Bowl except, and then the font, it had like 20 The Super tiniest Bowl. font 
and it's like seven of them. Or the the Auburn Buckies. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one too. The worst one though of all time was the Florida State MLK one. If you don't know, look that up. Sometimes you just it's better not to post on federal holidays like that because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. No, I no, I was thinking like what if we did like a Daniel Walcott one where it was like an ACHA player has won every Stanley Cup except for ones played outside of 2021. That would be an insane graphic. I, we might do that next week. We're, I, I mentioned to you guys a couple of days ago, but we're getting into the dog days of summer where it's like we've r- rode the high of the off season, and now it's like like we're getting schedule releases, and it's fun to like see those, but there's not much in the tank right now. So we're going to push through this, keep delivering the content. But for the listeners, you're going to see this graphic next week, and you're going to be like, I remember these boys ta- drafting this up in the lab. Nonetheless, shout out to the Hershey Bears. They're awesome staff filled with four former ACHA guys. No wonder they won. I was I was rooting for Coachella Valley too. I thought that was going to be cool if a team in their first year won it. But looking back and seeing how many ACHA ties the Bears have, I'm, I'm glad they took it home. Wanted to shout out another guy, Randy Dodig from RIT. I just found out about this one the other day. RIT Baseball posted a congratulations post for him. He was named the best defensive shortstop in Region 3. For those of you who don't know, they take Division 3 baseball. They divide up. There's a million Division 3 baseball teams, so they divide them up into regions. He's in Region 3, which is a lot of the, the SUNYAC schools in New York. And he was named the best defensive shortstop in RIT Hockey. Reposted it, so I reached out. Hey, I mean, does this guy play for you? Like, what's the deal here? And they're like, yeah, he's He's played for us the last two years. And I'm sure there are plenty of ACHA guys out there who who do double sports. I know there's a couple guys at Concordia. I know there's a couple guys at Adrian who play NCAA sports too. To be one of the best defensive players at your position is pretty cool. So I want to give Randy a shout out and the RIT guys for being awesome and sending us some photos of him. He put up a bunch of points too in the last year. 24 points in 18 games is not easy. I think they won the regular season title for the National this year. They got upset in the semifinals, but they had a good year and he was part of that reason. So uh, we had Auburn. Auburn released some new jerseys. I was calling these... I was talking to her about it. I was calling them the kick six jerseys. Doesn't really make too much sense because Auburn has worn those football jerseys for a very long time. Like they have more history than just the kick six. But like, that's the first thing I think of as a non Auburn fan, because those are the jerseys, like the Navy jerseys with the orange and white stripes. It looks exactly like you would expect an Auburn hockey jersey to do. They didn't try to get fancy with it. They used to have, when the rebirth days, they used to have a Navy blue jersey that had like the campus on the bottom. It looked very weird, sublimated. Just didn't fit the Auburn vibe. I think these jerseys are going to look really good. I think they should go the extra mile, though, because they already have the white helmets with the football stripes. I think Verbero's got to get in there with white shells to match the football look, kind of like how Pitt sometimes wears the yellow shells. Maybe just like a couple games, throw in the white shells, something to think about. But Herm, wanted to get your, your thoughts on this jersey. Clean, classic, simplistic. Auburn knocked it out of the park on this one. Sticking with the College Hockey South theme, they actually unveiled their realignment. They have... Five teams in Division One College Hockey South. College Hockey South is in AAU College Hockey, one of the one of the bigger conferences. A bunch of teams in Division Two. They have a North and South, and then they have a bunch of teams in Division Three, and they have a women's Division One division. Eastern Kentucky University, though, they play over in Lexington. They share a rink with Kentucky. They are making the jump to College Hockey South Division Three. They have been in AAU. I don't know if they've been independent and they're waiting for a conference. They're going to play in College Hockey South Division Three, so we're excited for them. And then Collins. Look what we did, man. I mean, we brought LSU hockey back from the dead. Put the hockey house stamp of approval on it. All you need is a terrible Joe Burrow Photoshop mock-up, 
and then highlights from 2008 LSU versus Vanderbilt, and we can bring the Tigers back from the dead. We actually, for those who who didn't know, we held a a virtual seance and brought this team back to life. Shout out to my buddy and former teammate, Jake Panzer, for for leading this entire thing, bringing this team back from the dead. I had a great conversation with him probably two months ago now, texted back and forth for like an hour and a half, talking the ins and outs of club hockey. And I'm really excited. It sounds like they've got a good plan set. I'm really excited to see where this team goes because, I mean, I think if you actually look at the like states ranked by like hockey order i think louisiana might be number 49 or number 50 there is one no rink in new orleans they only have one i believe in the entire state of louisiana so i'm really excited a bit concerned about travel hopefully the school should should be able to to cover them with that we got to get neck to be the goal song i don't i don't care what they do I don't care how many club sports rules they break. They got to play neck when they score. If you don't know what neck is, you got to watch more SEC football. It's like the unofficial fight song for LSU. They're like not allowed to put the band isn't allowed to play it anymore, but the fans just sing it. And so maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe they'll get the student section behind the net and like the predators do the goal chant at the goalie. They'll just sing neck at the goalie. That's how we get hockey back at LSU. But it was funny. We're going to get into this later, but like the people in the Instagram comments were just like, this is the worst hockey I've ever seen. Like my men's league team, like what in the rec league is it? And it's like, dude, it's club hockey highlights from 2008. You put on any hockey from 2008 and you're gonna think it's bad. Yes. Was this Vanderbilt with no matching jerseys or helmets, LSU, like taking them to town. Well, it was a little bit of like satire and people, instead of people being like, heck yeah, LSU hockey, they were just like, the joke was over their head. And it was like the meme where you put the Meek Mill song with the highlights. People thought that we were, they didn't realize that we were actually bringing them back from the dead, which is what we accomplished. I guess speaking of haters on the internet, Niagara came out with some 3D helmet decals, which if you've been following the NHL, about the same time NHL teams started putting ads on their helmets, they're like, wait, but what if we make them 3D? Like maybe people won't hate the ads if we make them 3D. I feel like baseball does it, hockey does it, the 3D decals they make it stand out pop a little better on tv i'm not sure if it's going to make a difference at dwyer arena nonetheless very cool niagara is in an interesting spot where they're one of the few acha division one teams that has an ncaa division one team on campus so they got to fight for a lot on campus to get recognition they've got new bauer helmets coming in they've got the purple the white and the black for the alternates three sets of helmets they got the nice decals and then gotta shout out the niagara account on instagram because somebody chirped them a a former nyu player chirped them on instagram for taking the extra decals from the ncaa locker room and they fired right back and let them know that this was 100% the ACHA team. NCAA team had no involvement. The NCAA team at Niagara actually tries to pretend like the Acha guys don't exist. So good on Niagara, sticking it to the man. And just plenty of haters on Instagram, which is always the case. If people like it, they'll like the post and keep scrolling. If people hate it, they're just going to let you hear it in the comments. So to get Fitzy ready for the SP, he's going to toughen up over the summer and he's going to be our social media enforcer. So if you're going to leave rude comments, Fitzy's going to come after you. He's going to have a burner account you're not going to know it's him and he's just going to chirp you in the comment section because he's got to get ready he's playing with the big boys down in bama want head on a swivel here fitzy's coming after you in the comments i feel like they're going to know it's me now if there's a burner account saying stuff <laughs> might as well just use my own account now and i don't care 
I'll I'll go I'll go toe to toe with them. Want to move along to the stick taps portion of the show. Wanted to congratulate friend of the pod, Ronnie Stett. I met him at the Jog ACHA Showcase. I believe he's been the assistant coach at Utah for their women's program for a couple of years now. He's getting promoted to the head coaching position. Very excited for him. Very good guy. Want to make sure we congratulate him on that. I also want to bring up, I'm not sure if this is the unofficial name, so you guys can correct me, but like, is it Hockey House Mafia? Like, what do we call people who are passionate about the Hockey House pod? We're 100 episodes into this thing. Like, we got to have a name for these people. I'm going to call them Hockey House Mafia until further notice. Herm, top 50. What is the category we're top 50? Top 50 hockey podcasts in North America? Top 50. We jumped up 76 spots with the Heat Daddy interview. Got to 46. We're in good company some pretty cool podcasts that I've listened to that we've passed, which is awesome. Chicklets is at one. You got em- Empty Netters up there, Missing Curfew, all the good hockey pods. So we're, we're just happy to be there, and we'd like to stick around there for a really long time. But we wanted to give stick taps to Hockey House Mafia for getting us there and giving us the listens. We appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah, I got to say, when I when I first saw that, I was not surprised with you know how well the Heat Daddy interview went and then also the loyalty of our fans. But hold on, let me, let me pull this up where the, the list of podcasts that we passed, it is unreal. Collins looked at the list and he was like ready to drop out. He's like, who, who needs one more year at Nova? Sportsnet, New York Times, New York Post, The Athletic. It's it's unreal. It's so sick. And I am super excited to see if we're top 50 now, what it looks like in another year. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited. I say this one for last because I debated it, whether it's a stick taps or not. I did send out a tweet pumping their tires earlier because it is very cool what they're doing. The Bobcats are going to be a problem next year. When you got a graphic and the kid is wearing a Flynn Flon Bombers jersey, that's legit. Like, I think Bobby Orr played for the Flynn Flon Bombers. Does that mean Bobby Orr could have played in the ACHA? Who knows? Maybe not in today's game. Some guy on Minot State is wheeling around Bobby Orr in today's Acha. Let's not even let's not even consider that. The Bobcats are going to be a problem. They're bringing in a lot of guys. NCAA transfer today was just the newest addition. Bunch of null guys, some guys who were captains in, in the leadership group in the USPHL. It's cool to see. It's We're starting to see a shift of guys really considering these schools. And I talked to a lot of people. They ask about Division One ACHA. And if you can get a guaranteed roster spot at one of these top 10 programs in the ACHA, you're a darn good hockey player because it's those top 10 teams that could be in the middle of the pack in Division Three NCAA. So Herm, I'll turn it over to you. Thoughts on the Bobcats. They got so close last year. I don't know what they're losing, but they're bringing in good company. And they're probably not the only team out there that's bringing in a hefty recruiting class they're bringing in bob dogs that's what they're bringing in very excited to see what happens this year looking to get back to the final four right ohio you got some job openings though michigan state men's division three acha still looking for a head coach and uri their women's division one coach that's a really good job in kingston rhode island they're still looking for a head coach for their women's division one acha program as always we got a very good interview and speaking of the bobcats we got tyler harkins on great interview as always this one is brought to you by optim x sports optim x sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website the best part is they know the acha they know aau college hockey because they played themselves if you have any questions i was actually playing around today we're trying to get a hockey house pod website up and going through optim x a little bit different because we're not exactly a hockey team with a full roster we're just a couple guys with a podcast but we're shooting over some questions they responded right away 16 different templates you can work with 
get a professional level website, really easy to use. It was the first time I've gone in and used it since we got the access. You know, I've used Wix before, I've used Squarespace, Adobe. It's really easy. And if you're a team who needs to up their website website game, please send us a message, send Optimax a message. We'll get you in touch with the right people and get you set up. So head to OptimaxSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. And now without further ado, over to Tyler Harkins. We're pleased to be joined by one of the members of the Harkins hockey family, one of the most prolific scorers in Ohio University hockey history, point-per-game performer in the Fed with the Binghamton Black Bears, and co-founder of Access Network, my good friend, Tyler Harkins. Arks, I've been waiting to say this for quite some time now. Welcome to the Hockey House. Herbs, great to be on. I appreciate it. We've been going back and forth for a minute, so I'm happy our schedule is finally lined up for this one. Definitely. This is a, a hockey house first, not having Murph, or anyone for that matter, besides me on an interview. I'm a little bummed that I, I can't replicate Jake's performance on an intro. I'm sure that nothing can really uh, compare to his, like, from Rocky River, Ohio, going in at Bird. I might have to give him a call after this and, and see if I can dub it in. But you're no stranger to, to being behind the mic or anything like that. You you, you briefly ran Rule 1 Sports Talk with Austin Quarters. This shouldn't be unfamiliar territory for you or by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no doubt. Quickly on Jake, I got to speak with him a little bit today, and that guy just radiates a bunch of great energy. So I do miss hearing that from Rocky River, Ohio, and then I'm skating out as fast as I can to the blue line and giving a hard stop, trying to be intimidating, you know. <laughs> it was incredible. As far as Rule 1 Sports goes, yeah, shout out my guy, Austin Quarters. He was an Ocho guy for a little bit as well. He couldn't stick, you know. Not everyone can stick in the Ocho. But he gave his best shot at it. For those who aren't familiar with the Harkins last game, I just want to give you a little bit of a rundown. Don Harkins, your dad, played at Miami of Ohio as a, as a player in the NCAA, head coach and a scout in the NAL, USHL, OHL, WHL, Chanson Harkins, playing for the Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose, not a big deal in the show. Todd Harkins, uncle, played in the NHL, AHL, IHL, DEL. Talk about your family's pedigree and history within hockey and kind of the the legacy that's been laid for you and what that meant as as you were growing up yeah for sure and i gotta add in my uncle brett harkins because if he hears that and doesn't get the name drop he'd be a little <laughs> upset there he's currently with the boston bruins as a scout i mean hockey was in my blood man you know i remember being a kid and playing mini hockey with my great grandma and she'd sit in this chair and i just rifle pox past her legs and just sell you you know being in a hockey family i mean it was cool. Like, you know, you had a lot of expectations. I had a lot of expectations, you know, to, to play and, and play well. I mean, you know, with that last name and, and with the success they've all had. I mean, none of them played in the Acha, but, you know, it was uh, it was it was fun to kind of, you know, live up to those expectations. So they're they're all great and they all supported me. And with those expectations, kind of talk about the flip side of it and, and carving your own path. You know, no one else was 5'7". It was just simply a skill guy. <laughs> so I look at it like that, like I had to pave my own way in that front. But I mean, you know, you always want to be your own player. You know, like the family was super involved uh, in hockey and, and did the training, you know, in Cleveland and whatnot. And my dad being a coach, coached some pretty great players such as Patty Kane, right? You know, kind of look at those athletes that you're around or look at those hockey players you grow up watching and, you know, try and pick away some pieces to you can emulate to your game. So walk us through your hockey journey, where you started out playing youth, how you get to high school, and then beyond into the ACHA. Yeah, for sure. So I started out with the Parma Flyers organization, and I think I was like might see, like I was so dust as a kid. You know, I stuck with it. I had like the worst stride ever. So like going from hockey skates into figure skates to like 
fix my crooked foot was just like absurd. My dad was probably thinking like, let's hang him up, <laughs> you know, let's hang him up already. Playing Team Cleveland 95 and playing for the Cleveland Barons, you know, the Cleveland Barons was like my youth organization for the good part of it. Played with just like a bunch of really good hockey players too, like in Cleveland, like Charlie Gerard, who played at Mankato. Uh, he just signed over in the Dell. Dawson DiPietro, he played high school hockey and was like one of the guys that paved the way for the rest of the younger kids to be able to like go D1. He played at Western and then um, signed an NHL contract with Buffalo. So that's awesome. Matt Rudin obviously played at OU with me. CJ Valerian, he just signed in the coast. So like just playing with a bunch of great hockey players, you know, you're all buddies and and you don't know where it's going to go, but a lot of them saw success. So it was with everyone at the Barons and then went to high school. And that's kind of like where my game really like completed itself because I gained just so much confidence in being able to go out there and try new things, right? Solidified myself as like a skillful player, right? Because I was able to go out and try everything. High school was a little weird near the end of my career being at St. Ed's and ended up dishing to um, to the Chicago Mission, got to have a little cup of coffee over there playing uh, U18. And then tier three, you know, I was a tier three beauty. And it's like, not everyone, not everyone understands that grind. Um, I got to play up in Wisconsin Rapids and then got the bump up to the BCHL where I played for the Surrey Eagles and playing junior hockey in Canada is like such a treat. I mean, you're treated so great. I had family out in Vancouver too. So them being able to see my games and stuff was sweet. Uh, stepped in the jungle down in the North South in Amarillo. You know, that's, that's a tough league to play in for anyone, obviously. Uh, but I was really happy I got to be a part of that. Yeah, finding my way to OU. So I was at the Blaine Showcase with Amarillo and I see a couple of the OU hockey coaches walking around, you know, Ohio on their chest. I'm like, maybe this is it. <laughs> you know, maybe this is where I'm going. So I ended up talking with them. I remember I called Rudy, Matt Rudin, and I was like, buddy, you got to like name drop me here. Try and figure something out. You mentioned the mission. It's a quick cup of coffee on your EP. One of the first people that you had on the podcast was Joe Caprio. Is that how you two wind up connecting? I've known Caps for a minute. Yeah. But then, you know, he played for Illinois. So me, me and OU playing against each other. Um, and then we built a good friendship and relationship outside of it. His dad and my dad are buddies too. So it kind of goes way back. Yeah. So seeing like, you know, the coaches walk around and I was in Blaine and thinking like, you know, maybe this is, this is the chance here. So Rudy name dropped me. I got to talk with them. And then dude, it was like, I'm going to OU. Like being a Cleveland guy, I swear OU is like, you know, mini Cleveland, right? Down in Athens. So I got to be with a bunch of my hometown buddies from, uh, from Rocky River. And man, we came in with just a powerful, powerful freshman class. Well, let's talk about that freshman class because that was a really, really special season for the Bobcats. Going and playing in the national championship in Columbus, you have a stacked, stacked lineup from top to bottom. Tell me a little bit about that season from your perspective as a player and the foundation that Sean, I should clarify, Sean Hogan led for that team. The story of me getting into OU is actually kind of crazy because I was not the most, uh, my grades weren't the best. So I had to take some college classes in juniors. I didn't get into school until like a week before classes started. Like every, I was in the group chat and everyone's like figuring out their roommates and stuff. I remember Gianni being like, you know, us chatting like, oh, maybe we should be roommates. And I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even in school yet, man. I remember we had tryouts and I started off on this, like after tryouts lineups are posted, you could go into practice the first day. And I'm like on the sixth line. I don't even have a center. <laughs> it's just me and, and another guy. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh no. Like what's going on here? Like I think, you know, and I, I thought I was, thought I was maybe a little more deserving than I was. So we had the first weekend against John Carroll, you know, played him hard. I think I got a point. And then the second weekend against Kent State played him hard. I know I got a point, but I only played one game each 
each weekend. So like looking myself in the mirror after that second weekend, I'm like, my career is either going to go one way or the other. So I was able to just like dig deep and be the first one on and last one off. Like there was no chance I was going to let that happen. And then you know how the lineup is. I mean, there's injuries in the season and whatnot. And I got lucky. Coach believed in me enough to put me in. And and that's like probably the fourth week is when everything kind of started popping off. So I'll go into that class a little bit. I mean, top to bottom, like, and I don't want to forget anyone's name. So if I do just maybe we got to add them in, <laughs> but, but like Huey, Heeks, Rami, Gianni, Jenks, Jimmy Thomas, absolute stud. Like all these guys just are dogs. Like Tom Evans, Nick DeSimone, like Tendi, like he was unbelievable. And a couple other fellas, and sorry if I forgot him, but like Nick Gross transferring into a couple years later. I don't want to forget that name ever. Powerful freshman class. And then like the senior class was so cool. Like those guys were the best. Like Spellacy, Hardy, Hartman, Geither, Vasquez, like all of those guys we looked Riley Moore, like all those guys we looked up to. So they really set the precedent of like how to, you know, come in and battle and compete. And it was like, we would have like games in between us, like in between the freshman and senior class. And obviously the sophomore and junior class were sick too, but we had a lot of fun. And you guys went deep in that tournament that season. What was it like to play in front of kind of a hometown crowd in Columbus that postseason? Dude, that was so cool. Like I remember we had, <laughs> I mean, all the fans like at the games, right? And I think like we ran through the first two teams pretty well and then we played adrian in the semis and that was a big game because like jimmy thomas i forget what their goalie's name was but like i I think they were both 96s and like they had battled it out for their entire careers right so so that win was really special especially since adrian became so good you know in the years coming so it was fun to be able to get that win when we did that national championship game and oh we played stony brook too like i think i have a picture of like i scored a goal and like i'm seeing the flag like in front of us like from the upper top stands or whatever Dude, the support we had, the fans were driving up from Athens. It was the coolest, coolest thing. I want to jump back a little bit and kind of dive into your journey before OU as well. When I was up in Old Forge, I think you told me you were at a wedding with the River Kings guys, right? Yeah. Tell me about what sort of bond you have with that team and what it was like kind of tearing up the USP. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Like, those are my guys, you know, like when I look back at junior hockey and like look at my teammates, like those were them, you know, like Jake Nitsche, who currently a strength coach with the Chicago Steel. He was my line mate and being able to see him at the wedding that was awesome. Austin Quarters, you know, one of my best friends there played for his dad, Marty, who I've known Marty like my entire life because he used to coach like up in Michigan and then in Cleveland as well. So being with that group of guys, though, for a wedding and just being able to be present with them was was so cool. And you don't realize how much like you hang on to those junior hockey memories. You know, like we were telling stories like it was yesterday, like memories were coming out of my head that had been like put away for 10 years you know so we had an absolute blast any pg-13 stories that might have had the room in stitches <laughs> i mean we just talked about like how silly it was that we just like thought going on like chew cruises were like the coolest thing ever like that those memories of like yeah we just used to like drive around wisconsin rapids throwing shoes like go fishing it's like that was like the highlight of some of our days and one of the marty quarter stories though like <laughs> Austin and I had like gotten home like right before curfew and I was staying at their house for a little bit and um, we made a trade with Jake Nitsche. He wanted the fan, but we wanted cookies. So we're like, all right, Nitsche, you got to 
bring the uh, the cookies over to us. And we'll give you the fan. So we're sitting in our room eating the cookies and like we kind of like we we just eat them all right. And then uh, next morning it's like six a.m. We just hear Austin and I are sleeping in the room. We just hear stomp, stomp, stop. And it's Marty Quarters walking up the stairs. He sees the plate of uneaten cookies. So you guys were late for fucking curfew, and then ate our cookies. Grabbed the plate and zipped it by us. Austin and I are like diving like we're on Call of Duty, trying to hide behind walls because just zingers are being thrown past our faces. That's insane. Any Vietnam stories that you got to share as well? The things that we've heard on this podcast from some people are out of this world. What was Amarillo like? Dude, Amarillo. Amarillo had this great taco place, burrito place called Sharky's. Shout out to Sharky's. That was uh, that was a spot. And then going to the hibachi with the boys. Like a personal null story, I scored a goal. I think I only had like two or three talks there. Like it wasn't very, I wasn't, I wasn't like stamping my name all over the stat sheet. I came over the zone. I got a puck on the left side and I came over the zone like right past the red line. And I do like a little dump and chase, like flick it on net. And I kid you not, the tendy's standing there and it goes over his head behind his back, like into the net so i may have like tied a record for farthest goal scored in the null that wasn't scored by a goalie obviously so that's kind of a flex of mine you know the moment this is done i'm gonna search through like hours and hours of game footage to try and find this clip to post (laughs) there's no way that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get my hands on this clip i know well think about it i only played like i mean i only played like not even a full half a season because i was up in vancouver and then went down there and then dished for back to wisconsin after i committed to ou so like it can't be that many games and that tough to find i mean i only scored two goals so (laughs) two or three goals so just like look at the statue you only gotta go through a few games Oh, man. So so let's get back to Bird real quick. We even even dove into your welcome to the ACHA moment. Like we've, we've kind of talked about your freshman year. I really want to know, you come in from juniors and it's OU. You, you already got the show of things when you wind up on the sixth line. Was it a freshman year welcome to the ACHA moment? Was it something that happened later on down the line that was like, damn, this is really the ACHA? So I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts and I don't know if my welcome to the ACHA story will be the same, but like we were in tryouts my freshman year and there's just this just absolute beast of a man and his name is grant hazel and when grant hazel and you are on the ice you should always keep your head up if anyone's playing men's league against that guy don't put your head down keep your head up survey the ice so i'm coming in the zone and this is in like tryouts so i'm coming in the zone on the right side pucks on my backhand and i'm like i like get the puck and i like kind of turn to the net i think i like made a move around someone and then turn to the net and i may have talked I may have talked and I look up and I just get that dude's side just like smoking my head and I am out for the count. I mean, I didn't I didn't stay on the ice. I'm not built like that. He uh, he definitely rang. He definitely put me through the ringer on that one. That was like my damn. I probably got to put on some weight to play in this league here sort of ordeal. And I didn't expect that coming in first day of practice. I'm like, I've only put on the skates like a couple of times this summer and this is how we're doing it for those who aren't familiar with grant hazel's game can we get like an nhl level comparison to to someone who would be that level of like a shutdown defenseman i'm trying i'm trying to rack my brain and think about this of like a guy that you do not want to get hit by i mean you wouldn't want to get hit by like dustin bufflin that's for sure you know what? That is a very apt comparison. That is spot on in terms of physicality. Like Hazel's one of those guys that like one hand on your body and he is picking you up and moving you, you know, like there's re- really, if he like gets in your sights and him and I had so many good battles and especially, I think it was either my sophomore or junior year. We really started like going at it, going at it in practice. And like, I was a chippy player and like, you know, 
and rightfully so for him to get upset. Like when I would do what I would do with my stick, yeah, we really battled it out. But like the cool thing about him is he does he wanted you to like work hard to get better, right? Because he always wanted the team better. So like he was gonna give it to you, but you really thanked him for it because it made you better. OU was a program that constantly has a, a target on its back just because of its pedigree, because of how solid you guys were, because of the way that you guys played. Who were those opponents that you really, really enjoyed getting up for and were like, this is going to be a slugfest. This is going to be something. This is going to fire up Bird. Yeah, dude. Lindenwood, for sure. I loved playing Lindenwood because like, I think we both had really good teams. In my four years there, I think Lindenwood and us were both like top four in the country every single year. There was not a season where we didn't finish top four, and I know it was the same for them. And having those two powerhouses in the same league was awesome. I mean, they had some really, really good players. You look, I mean, Wilk was sick, right? Murph, Murph was a dog. Like, and Murph was my teammate in Amarillo, which was cool to get to play with him. Like, those games were a lot of fun. I remember playing Michigan Dearborn was a good one. I had a buddy, Tyler Dalton, on that team. He's from Cleveland. Illinois, I feel like we had some good battles with Illinois that was always fun but like the CSCHL when I was there it was like we had a we had a league man like there wasn't really that many like games you could take off you know I really did love our league games and I know our fans love the league games too like they were, they were impossible not to get up for Liberty too I mean I gotta throw Liberty into there because like they were sick I mean they all played like hard and they were skilled so you know that was always a good battle and I love just playing against the teams that you know you're gonna have a good game right because you want to play like you want to play your best versus their best I think we always had a good schedule like Hogan played us against good teams so it was it was fun I'll give you a couple of options of what was the tougher matchup Ames Iowa in February versus the Cyclones yeah. the Big Pond just being a behemoth and mm -hmm. a, or a liberty midnight madness game what's the the toughest one out of those three <laughs> they all have their special places in hell that's for sure <laughs> those liberty midnight games like shout out to their fans because they just brought the juice you know so i think that there's a huge competitive advantage for them because like at midnight none of the ou boys were at the rink we were killing it on core street i guess you could say those were fun but then also after a 14 hour trip to iowa you're like brutal and then the pond i mean for me though i'm flying the zone you know so it's just if i had the legs that night and i was ready to zip out like that was good so probably the toughest would have been the liberty midnight games for sure so shout out to them for that and talking about electric atmospheres bird absolutely goes up on that list i i gotta know what it's like from your perspective you've got a sold out building you got a passionate fan base passionate booster section you've got gangrene in yep. the beginning of of your playing career what was that like through the combination of everything going on knowing that you were taking the ice in front of this electric atmosphere and when we got a light show too i mean come on bird arena man that place is unbelievable and it's it's so loud too right because like the stands are tight and then like on dad's weekend when there's just layers and layers of people behind each other teddy bear toss night I can't, and Gang Green was so sweet when we had him at the beginning of my career there. Like, I can't say enough good things about Bird. And I saw the class that they have coming in this year, and those guys are going to rock the place. They're going to have a blast. So I'm excited to tune in to some Bobcat games because, man, I still get butterflies. Like, you just bring that up. Like, I still get butterflies, like, thinking of how sick it was. It's awesome. And we're going to talk about that incoming class a little bit later on. You mentioned killing it on Court Street. OU is, is notorious for 
having this reputation of being a party school. I, I got to get one good hot corner story, right? Or like a welcome to Athens moment. The hot guy corner? <laughs> when Poco came on the podcast, he said it was the hot corner. Is it the hot guy corner? It depends who you ask. I guess maybe Poco's not a hot guy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times the ATM had like some mean things to say to people. So that thing ate some fists for sure. I'm not going to name names on that. I think we can probably come to some conclusions as to who had a battle with that. You know, a lot of frozen fours in that corner. That's for sure. Followed by the ices. Uh, a lot of credit card roulette going down. For the uninitiated, you want to run everyone through what a frozen four is? Frozen four, it's four shots followed by an ice. You know, you had a, uh, I think you had a tequila in there. I think you had a rumple and then Jaeger. And I could have messed up in the tequila could have been a JMO. Then so one, two, three, four, and then you rip the ice. And yeah, it was the quickest way to just forget your night or maybe make some decisions you didn't plan on making that night. When all the boys did it, though, it was like the best time. It's like, yeah, boys, we're doing a frozen four tonight. It was a real team bonding experience. If you're over the age of 21 and you're, you know, you get the opportunity to do that in Athens, Ohio, it's like a rite of passage. And you guys were always up Sunday morning playing wiffle ball, watching football. Tell me about uh, some of those team bonding stories that you had. Yeah. For sure. Well, we were super lucky because we could go down to Grover and go get the ice baths in the morning, get treatment, get work done. You know, so we're feeling like pros. And then maybe we skate on over to Palmer, you know, go play some wiffle ball, obviously. Um, we probably swept because our team obviously was sick. So we probably swept. We were still celebrating on Sundays, maybe a little hungover, maybe a little active still. Those days where it's like the sun's peeking out, especially like coming close to the springtime right after like a treacherous winter in Athens. And then it gets a little warmer and the, the mood lightens up a little bit. Everyone's not just like so miserable. Yeah, I hope that's a tradition that stays alive. And then, you know, going into fest season was always a treat too. I want to talk about that 1920 season that you guys had right before COVID. The momentum that you guys were on uh, heading into the CSCHL playoffs. What was it? Something like seven wins in the last eight games. Something insane. I got to hear from your perspective because I've I've told the story on the podcast before about the whole roller coaster of the evening when we went to Illinois and then Lindenwood and Iowa State had that longest game in college hockey history i gotta know from your perspective what what that was like kind of waiting in in the wings for that all to finish up and then having to go out and play a game afterwards too that's so tough right like you're waiting for another game to end and again the longest game ever just for linda wood to end up winning it it's like i thought maybe for the story they would have took the l but no obviously they had a great team you don't love when your legs are just like burning up in the room and like i th i think our pizza like our post game dinner pizza got there while we like before our game started so like there's fellows in the locker room just crushing his odd it's like i don't know if i had a slice or not i can't remember at this point i think the wind you know the sails were deflated a little bit you and i both kind of share the unique experience of having that senior moment taken away from us at nationals it was a really really strong season i think the sentiment all around was that you guys were going to go deep or win it all that that year you put your blood sweat and tears into your career at ohio what was that like to have it end, I get. I don't want to say with a whimper necessarily, mm -hmm. but I, I want to know what it was like from your perspective. We get a text message to go meet in the locker room like on Thursday, and then 
knowing we're supposed to leave for nationals on Tuesday, like that was so painful to be honest, like COVID took that away from us again. Like we had such a great group of guys in that locker room. And I think like finishing out our senior class with like Johnny, Huey, Jimmy, myself, like just such a good group. And I just felt so, I felt bad for like my teammates. I felt bad, you know, I really did feel bad for myself too, because like, I think that class was special and I think our team was special. And this is like, I feel like we were really putting it together at the end of the year. If you would have asked those guys too, like, you know, we would have done our best to will our way to a championship, man, based off of our freshman year, losing in the national championship and like senior year being the time to do it. Still tough. I would imagine it's a motivating factor for you after graduation. You've kind of got that nagging itch in the back of your mind after you make the transition from Athens to the real world. What was that like for you to go from your playing career to everything kind of stop? The thing that sucked personally for me is, um, I mean, I thought I was going to continue my hockey career, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't the guy that had the internship. I wasn't the guy that had like that job lined up. And that's just because like I had a goal and a dream and a vision and I was sticking to it. Right. So it's not like, it's not like I was off my path. Like I thought I was doing the right thing to put myself into playing the next year. After the season, I get back home. I moved up to Lakewood, Ohio. Um, and then I started getting into some private hockey training. And I did that with Russ Sinkowicz, who, you know, was a great hockey guy in the area with his company, Ohio Hockey Project. So I was fortunate enough that I got to learn from Russ Sinkowicz and I got to learn from Jake Newton, who's a very high caliber hockey player as well. And, you know, I was giving back and I was working with a bunch of great high school athletes, a bunch of younger athletes, some parents, kids and whatnot. So being able to take my knowledge and give back to the game was, you know, a blessing beyond belief. That was right around the time you were playing in the cell too, right? I went back and listened to that podcast that you did with the uh, the Ohio hockey guys. Playing in the cell was awesome. I mean, that's, and Russ puts that on and he does a great job, right? He gets all like the who's who of hockey in Cleveland really plays in that for the most part. You know, it was four on four. It was fast paced. You're playing against guys that, you know, either had great careers in the, in the coast or in the A, or you had guys that are like young, hungry U18 players in the Barons that are just so sick, right? So. It's like there was such talent and everyone, I think, became a better hockey player because of that league. So it was cool. One of the great things, too, as Ohio alumni is that we get to look at the program kind of from an outside perspective. After you graduated, the program kind of took a downward turn for that one season. And then Leo got brought in. Talk about what you've seen kind of as an alumni, the program's trajectory change. You know, as an alumni, like you have so much for love for like the school you went to and obviously like the hockey team. And it was such an important part of my life, like being able to be a part of that group. They had that down year and obviously it was post COVID. So it was like tough for them. I totally get it. Leo coming in and, and getting the boys going. I think like they enjoyed playing for him, right? Like not that he's a player's coach. I don't want to speak on that, but like, you know, you hear stories that the players enjoyed playing for him. So um, what he's done is impressive because they've had a quick, quick turnaround. They took down Minot State like in playoffs, but obviously, you know, they they get a bunch of great players. So Ohio being able to shake them down is pretty cool to see. Sharing hockey TV logins with you for that game, if I remember correctly. Part of the growth of the Bobcat program has been this explosion of juniors kids, and we posted about it, that are Null and NCAA D3 kids that are choosing to go the ACHA route over the NCAA D3 route. From your experience, could you maybe point to some factors of why Leo's been able to have that success? You know, when you're recruiting a class, right, 
you get one or two really good hockey players to commit, like other guys are going to look around and be like, I want to be a part of that culture. Right. And you saw that with our class. I think everyone like kind of committed on top of each other. And it was like, oh, when it rains, it pours. You keep getting those guys. And like, I love being able to check Instagram and see OU hockey, like keep posting these players. And I think like it's such a good experience, right? Because OU offers so much and it's such a great place to play. And like they were really they were good last year. Right. And and I think that they're going to be a force this year. So as an alumni, I'm so excited to watch them. And I'll need your hockey TV account for that. How much of a force uh, do you think they're going to be in this upcoming season? Can we get an official prediction of where you see them uh, finishing so you can wind up as locker room material for the rest of the ACHA? I don't want to say that their class will be better than my freshman class just because like we were we were just sick. No, I think that they're going to have a good year. I'd love to see I'd love to see that Zamboni coming down Court Street though with the with the championship trophy on it. And if that happens, I'll be making my way to Athens for it. So I'm rooting for the big dogs. As an alumni, I'm going to say that they're going to win it. Yeah, I, I'm so pumped for that. So one of the things I'm really excited to have Harks on to talk about is his journey with Access, which is the company that he founded after graduation. And Harks and I have been talking for a while about when we'll get him on to talk about it. And in the stage of its growth process, we wanted to make sure that there was a public facing product that we could show people before we got to share his journey through the ACHA and beyond. Just as someone, as a wonderful example of a, a student athlete who's going in and building something within the world of athletics. Tell me about that company story from the beginning with GoTrain, its evolution, and to where it's at right now. To touch on that, we have been talking about getting me on for quite some time, and I was like, I got to hold out. I got to hold out. I don't want to ruin it here. So, yeah, started out like, you know, again, didn't get to play truly full hockey after um, graduating. So I was putting around with some ideas, and I was doing the hockey training and came up with, you know, what what about GoTrain? And go, what GoTrain was was a platform to connect trainers and athletes in different parts of the country, right? So if you have a power skating coach up in Vancouver that you really like, but you can't fly up to Vancouver just to go train with them. Most people can't, right? How do we bridge the gap in that relationship? Um, so that's kind of what GoTrain was all about. Talking with some mentors, we looked at GoTrain and looked at the business plan and looked at the model and we're like, maybe this is a cool idea and like a passion project, but maybe not, you know, where you're going to see scale scale and growth, right? So ended up transitioning to um, what is now known as Access. And what Access is a platform for athletes to monetize their personal brand through content and fan engagement. So that's a long form of saying we help athletes Athletes make money from their content behind a paywall. With NIL, college athletes can get paid, right? But we're not only about college athletes, it's high school, college and pros and beyond, right? So we want you to be able to maximize your brand beyond your playing career. Because, you know, let's be honest, there's only a small percentage of us that go pro in sports, but everyone goes pro in life, right? And during your college career, you could argue that that's your most, you know, attentive time on social media where you can grow your biggest fan base of who you are as a person, right? Those are like your years to, you know, build your own brand, right? With Access, cool things we've done is getting athletes on this platform and we're allowing them to set their own subscription price. Uh, They can do shout out requests, which is kind of like cameo style videos, Uh, the ability to host live streams, uh, pay-per-view opportunities, connect their merch shop. Um, And that's kind of V1, like MVP style right now. But, you know, the roadmap is pretty extensive. I've been able to kind of stretch my brain capacity on this and look at like what's out there in the market and then just take like me as a creator, like what would I want to, you know, benefit from? What what does a platform, you know, need that? 
maybe I thought was missing. So being able to take some ideas and put my own spin on it has been just really cool. And yeah, I love like the whole process of building problem solving, right? Like as an entrepreneur, you're always solving problems. There's not a day that, w- that I wake up, there's, there's not a new issue to solve. Yeah, it's been it's been a really fun experience. That kind of segues perfectly into my next question, which is some of those lessons that you've learned through this development cycle, whether that's on a business side of things, whether that's on a tech side of things, an interpersonal side of things, what would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs that your experience could help them with? Yeah, for sure. I think always listen to the customer, right? You may think you have an idea, um, but if your customer doesn't agree with it or if they have other ideas, you know, you probably should listen to them. Always be networking, right? You got to expand your network because you don't never know when a handshake can turn into a check, essentially. Keep the relationships good, you know, with people you meet, make sure you're following up. Yeah, you want to be like a people person in this industry because, again, you don't know where a relationship can lead you. I think another thing is, you know, if you're going after capital, like always try to be fundraising, selling your company in the sense of like equity and whatnot um, and what that could look like. Keep moving every day. Like every day there has to be something done that moves the needle, right? There's so many people that are like, oh, I've got a strategy for this, a strategy for that. Well, strategy is not execution, you know? And then another thing I like to say is like meetings aren't work, right? Like we can have 10 meetings in a day, but it's like, but are you really working? Like even though you're having these meetings, are you actually moving the needle? A couple of things. I was I was fortunate enough at school, right? Being in, I graduated with communications in the marketing uh, school as well. And like our marketing school at OU was awesome. Like Dan Dolan working for Subway and I think Wendy's too. Like he, where's the beef? Like that's goaded, you know? So that was cool. And then in sales, like being a part of the Shea Sales Center, like Adam Rapp, like that guy is a G, you know? So what they're doing at OU with that is sick. And then I was a part of the entrepreneurship club, which not a lot of people know, but it was like student run, which was cool. And then we had the incubator at OU. I think it came out my junior, senior year. So I wish maybe I would have taken a little more advantage of that, but it was pretty new um, when I was getting on the scene. And I still think they were trying to figure everything out. Wasn't that like in one of the bottom floors on Alden or something like that, where they had that... uh... Third floor Alden? One of the places that you went recently was the NIL Summit in Atlanta. I believe you were one of the major presenting sponsors of the conference. Tell me about what that was like. Like you've you've built this product, you go to such a, a major event and you're able to to bump shoulders with so many powerful players within the NIL industry. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, for sure. So we were fortunate enough to be a foundational partner at the NIL summit put on by student athlete NIL, influencer was a partner, you know, Lululemon, Intuit, InvestQ, like there was a bunch of great companies there that helped put this uh, put this thing on. It's really cool. I mean, because you get to see like, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and you see these athletes like Flage, like, you know, she's a basketball player for LSU, but also a rapper. And she like performed at the NIL summit, which is so cool, right? Being able to see athletes express themselves and especially that that's so unique of her. So really good on her. But yeah, I mean, like you saw all these different athletes getting awards, doing good in their community, maximizing their brand through, you know, the name, image and likeness. And it was really special to see. And we had such a great time there. We actually activated like 100 athletes onto the platform it's very hard to get that kind of activation right anywhere else and just in anything like face-to-face value is so important and face-to-face you know communication relationships so yeah dude we had a we had a blast and that was like awesome for our brand we had some 
people for some pretty high companies. So I don't want to name drop too hard. Meta, some people coming over from there and checking us out. And, you know, that's that's cool. I mean, when you're in those kind of relationships um, or having those talks with people, we also were able to uh, hire on Brantley Fields as, you know, kind of a strategic advisor with us. Uh, she's the head of athlete partnerships at Twitter. So, you know, when I downloaded Twitter in high school uh, and tried to get as, to a thousand tweets as fast as I could, I never thought that I'd actually be working with someone at Twitter. So this whole opportunity has just allotted me so much. You know, it's not a day I go by that I'm not grateful for it. You beat me to it. I was going to say, I read it in the uh, in the Cranes article, I believe, that, that Brantley came on board. What does she bring to the table as someone with major, major experience within the athlete partnership side of things? You know, something that can't go understated is her relationships in the industry, right? And that's what a lot of this is, is building relationships, right? And people want to join companies that they feel like there's good people involved. So adding her in, I mean, she is just prolific, you know, um, being able to get us access to more athletes, uh, being able to introduce us to other companies in the industry, which can open up partnerships, which, you know, there's been some exciting things even in this past week that have happened um, that we're ready to explore. So we've got some exciting things on the horizon here, definitely. And she's been a big part of it. Speaking of exciting things on the horizon, one of those steps to growth is bringing new people on board. At your age, tell me what it's like having to make those challenging decisions, whether it's growth, whether it's hiring, to look some, to, to go through uh, an interview and be like, you're the right person or you're not the right person. What does that responsibility look like on your shoulders? Again, it's all about good people, right? Like if someone's a good person and you know they're going to work hard for you, like that's invaluable, right? Because you want to work with people that you like and you enjoy. As far as like tough decisions, you know, there has been some tough decisions I've had to make. It's not like my personal favorite part of it all. You have a fiduciary duty to do what's best for the company, you know, at all times. So just keeping that in mind, right? Kind of as a, as a pie in the sky question, money's no object. Who is the one athlete at the moment that you would love to bring on as the face of access? Angel Reese. How come? And in college, I'd say Angel Reese. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Really? We'll see. Future timelines when we're looking at access, where do we see the growth of the company in six months, a year and beyond? In six months, you know, like you got to try to always be always be raising capital. So in this next six months, it'd be awesome if we're closing out our round here and then scale. I mean, you know, you want to be able to hit that athlete, hit a couple of those cornerstone athletes that jump on and really help this thing blow up out of the water. And then year, you know, we want to by Q4, hopefully get on the Google Play Store. Currently, we're just on the Apple App Store. Obviously, like new features and whatnot, adding in the Web3 component. Component. Being able to add in content coaches is a big thing. Like I want to be able to help athletes create content. You know, some athletes ask like, hey, what do I do? Right. And I want to be able to bring in like the creme de la creme of content creators that can take a, uh, you know, like a cohort of athletes and really help them out. And let's keep it close to home here. How can ACHA and AAU college hockey athletes leverage access? Yeah, for sure. I think like you got to remember everyone is a brand and everyone's a hometown hero to someone like even the athletes that don't have, say, say if you just have, you know, five. 500 to 1,000 followers, right? And you're like, well, I'm not big. Like, I can't really monetize. Well, maybe on those other platforms, like, you're not because you have to hope that you get a certain amount of views. But with the cool thing with access is you monetize one subscriber at a time, right? So it doesn't matter how many people view your content. It's like, how do you make them feel with your content, right? So I think that, like, athletes in the ACHA and AAU, right, being able to remember that people look up to them. Athletes look up to them. They are hometown heroes and that their message and and their content is worth something. So it's having that belief and confidence in yourself because we know that's where it's going, right? If you look at where, what the creator economy is, I think it's 
by 2025 or 2026, Goldman Sachs expects it to be a, like a half a trillion dollar you know, market for creators. So everyone can get a piece of that pie. You know, I want to take a step back and we're going to pivot away from access real quick because right. I would be remiss to not mention through this timeline as you were building all of this, you get that itch to go and play hockey again and wrap up your playing career on your own terms. Four games, five points with the Binghamton Black Bears with a goal in your debut. What was that like to go and play in such a unique space like the Fed? Yeah, it was cool. Obviously, you got to meet Fitzy there and seeing him in the locker room. It's like that relationship forming was awesome. Anytime you get to put on a hockey jersey, right? It's like the greatest thing. I remember I got a message. Uh, I was reached out to and was presented with the opportunity. And I'm like, you know, teeter totter. Like, do I want to go? But I had the biggest itch. And it was like right after Christmas. And I got in my car and I zipped up there. And like, I'm so happy I did. It was short lived. It was on my terms, I definitely still had more in the tank. You know, I probably could have kept, I could have kept playing. I, I was the one who decided to kind of move back, but that's because I had the access, I had access that I was building. Binghamton was awesome. Those fans were great. There's a lot of fights as a very, those are very exciting games. My first goal though, like coming down the left side and Tyler Gurich like comes over the blue line and slows down and then puts a pass like back door. And I just had like this burst of speed. Like I was like, I don't know, whatever that cartoon character that's blue that goes really fast. I was that guy and I was buzzing Sonic? to the back. Sonic, yeah, I was buzzing in the back door and I catch the puck and get to lift it up. I jump into the glass like I was so pumped. So I think the stats better off is like five points in three games because in my fourth game, I was an absolute no show up in Delaware. So I don't tell too many people about that game. I want to wrap it up here with one of your character traits that I think is so exemplary and that you've been like a massive advocate for transparency, openness, and positivity when it comes to mental health for not only yourself, but athletes at large. Where does that come from? And how do you spread that message in an authentic way? It's easier to be supportive of things that, you know, maybe you deal with and that touch close to home. You know, everyone's has their own journey, right? Even the people that look like they're on the top of the world, right, can be struggling. Um, and I think it's becoming more prominent in sports to not just, you know, hide everything behind uh, behind a wall, right? Like we are able to be more open. And I think that being, you know, authentic and true to yourself really helps you like foster better relationships and makes you look, you know, in the mirror and you can be more proud of yourself. I always wanted people to know, like, you know, if they ever needed someone to talk to, like I was there for them. I think that was that was always something that was really important to me. You know, mental health matters and I never wanted other people to feel alone. So we we talked a lot about debauchery that goes on in Athens. You get in a certain mental state and you transition away from it kind of out into the real world. We've talked about your journey through sobriety. I don't think it's something that I guess a lot of individuals, especially within hockey, talk about just because of the stigma that surrounds it. Kind of just an open platform for for you to discuss that change in your life and what it's done for you. All right. So first off, with all that, you know, the journey of sobriety has been a beautiful one. It's something that has opened my eyes into being, you know, fully present being very consciously aware, taking other people's, you know, feelings and in, into consideration more so than maybe I had before. We talked about earlier, like I have always have been a mental health advocate, right? And then you look at like, okay, but I'm an advocate and I say these things, but why do I still feel, you know, like this? And, you know, you start looking at your life, right? Like, okay, what are the issues here? Um, 
being able to have complete control of your decisions is one of the most powerful things and forms of self-love and self-care you can do for yourself, right? So I think that I made a decision that I'm going to love myself as hard as I can. And, you know, that's being in control of all of my actions and being in a state of consciousness that's available and loving and open. Honestly, it's been the greatest decision I have ever made, I believe. And I think it is life-changing and it's not something that I'll, I'll go back on. I love, I am, (laughs) I love where I'm at, you know, and I love being able to, I love being, I love being sober. I think it's amazing. Um, And I'd recommend it to other people too, you know, and the relationships you can foster by being totally present are bar none, right? Like you can't replicate the love that you can give unless you're in a full state of consciousness, which I am lucky to wake up with every single day. So I'm sure the people around me, you know, like love me a lot more, right? I think that I'm able to love more and yeah, it's just mental health gets better and easier. So I think just like doing a doing a look and like what's what are you doing to to love yourself and what are you doing that's a positive thing in your life and how are you going to practice what you preach right and i was able to look at those different pillars and i was able to make a decision that put me on a path to being sober and being aware and being enlightened and it's it's the greatest thing and i hope that other people can hear this message and take a chance at it so yeah i hope it can it can be a positive thing for others that's incredibly first off brave of you to say speaking as a personal friend of yours how proud of you i am to see you go through this journey it's it's been really really special and as we wrap it up here uh i'll include one question that we got from friend of the podcast ryan higgins Uh, is there a motto that you try and live your life by on a daily basis yeah it's uh attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind harks thanks so much for coming on the podcast before we let you go any individuals that you want to thank any last stories that you want to share you know thanking all the boys that went through battle with me at ou all a bunch of dogs uh sean hogan too dog so yeah quick story though um because we've been talking about me all night and i'd be remiss if we didn't get to tell a little herm story here so just like one of the most beautiful things i think i've ever been a part of i believe it was our senior year we were all in the locker room uh the whole team and um i think it was after before practice but we brought herm in and Herm had no idea anything was coming and we were able to give him a present and, and and Huey and Gianni stood up and I think Huey handed off, you know, a check from the team, which was so understated in what you did for us and how you put us on and like what you, I mean, man, you, you made us look so great, like better than we deserved and you were an awesome friend and an awesome person. So being able to be a part of a team that, you know, gave back to you and, and just watching that look on your face, like it was the most heartwarming thing and you were always just such an amazing dude and I'm pumped to have you as a friend in my life i'm gonna i'm gonna try not to choke up and i cannot like properly state how much you guys meant to me over the course of my four years at ou and for us to have this friendship continue on past like the confines of athens ohio is is really really special to me so harks thanks so much for coming on we really appreciate you appreciate you Herm. thank you brother and before we go, where can everyone find access on socials and download the app? Yeah, our social media accounts are Access Network, at Access Network, and that's A-X-C-E-S-S Network. Download us on the Apple App Store at Access Network. I hope to see you guys on there uh, creating profiles, creating content. So appreciate you all for listening. I would like to begin the second half of the show with an apology to all the Bobby Orr fans out there. <laughs> 
I'm a Bruins fan, and I love Bobby Orr. Did not mean to throw disrespect at the great one, number four, Bobby. Thank you, Harks, for a great interview. Really enjoyed having you on. As Collins mentioned, this is a very heavy Ohio pod tonight. Love talking about the Bobbies. Unbiased journalism, though, because I'm pumping their tires, and it's not Herm this time around. So solid interview. Thanks again, Harks. We talked about this earlier. But the big question is, like, how do we feel about 3D-printed helmet decals? Do we not care? Do we think they're cool? Fitz, I'll throw it over to you first. I think I like them. My mind went, like, a couple different directions, and I have some questions on how they're going to work, but we can just we can forget that. I think you could take it a step up. We're, we're talking, like, LED lights in these things. I don't know how you would do this, but, I mean, this is, like, probably way out of budget. You got, like, the stanchions and the, the rink and everything in the glass. Team scores. Stances are going off. Little uh, little lights in the in the helmet are blinking. I think that'd be sick. I, I have no idea how you make it work, but I th- there's got to be a way to do it. If they can if they can make it work when you're at a chain restaurant and they ping you uh, at the table, they can definitely make it work on a hockey helmet. Oh, I was thinking too. Like I don't know if you saw those new LSU football helmets. Go Tigers! They have air conditioning built into the helmets now. Imagine like imagine you're on the LSU club hockey team. You're trying to ask for like two hundred more dollars for a van for the weekend, and you're looking at the football team wearing air conditioned helmets. Like that's got to be so tough. But that's the SEC. It just means more down there. But Fitz, I like where you're going because remember the Golden Knights? Their reverse retros, like they were glow in the dark. So when they came out into the ice, it was like I feel like that's not that hard to make glow in the dark decal especially at Niagara. They love the light show there. Collins, what about you as a goalie? I can't imagine a world where goalies have 3D printed decals. That would be a nightmare. Oh my God. I love the the 3D printed decals. It has like a football vibe to it. You see the bumpers on football helmets and they're all 3D like that. So I really like it. I think it's great. I would love to see though, at an SEC school, a team like completely copy the football helmet, get the bumper on the front, the bumper on the back, and then the, the logo and stripe and whatever. I think that would be sick. Herm, what are your thoughts? I really have no preference on them, but I lean more to the side of they look fine. Very much grumpy hockey fans being grumpy hockey fans. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, what do you, what else do you have to care about? Where you're, you're gonna hate on this? And I, I actually, I didn't even think about that when the post went out. How many people would think that they just got them from the NCAA team? Because that would be like a weird thing for us to post, right? If they just like found an old bag and they're like, oh, let's put these on our helmets. But that's not the case. My freshman year, we had the worst helmet decals. They were like scratch and sniff stickers. Like they did. They you would play one game, and if you got hit, part of the S was falling off and we had only ordered enough for everybody to have two s's my good friend connor preston he got hit so hard one game it knocked the whole s off his helmet and this was in january so he just had to play like the rest of the year pittsburgh steelers style with one logo on his helmet i think guys like us will think that's cool but i can't imagine a a world in club hockey where you get your helmet decals are like Oh, these suck. Like you should, like half the schools can't even use the real logo on the helmet decal and you're getting 3D printed ones. So I think it's really cool. I, I think it's national league level. Anytime we can make the ACHA like a step above what it is. Like, I'm sure other teams are going to see this and want to do the same thing. The, the ones with big pockets are definitely going to want to be interested. I probably won't be long before we see Liberty do something like this either. So that's my take on it. I'll start us off with, with picking up pucks this week. Speaking of Connor Preston, I went to the Canuck in new york city i think it's in the lower east side i'm not sure it's a like a hockey bar it was sick like you walked in and it looked like your uncle's basement with just like hockey cards all over the wall hockey jerseys framed canada flags it looked like this is so niche and specific but if i was going to go watch the world juniors and i was in new york city this would be the perfect bar like it just it felt like 
hockey night in Canada in the 80s in there. It was really cool. Got a good burger. It was fun to catch up with some friends. So definitely, if you're in New York City and you're looking for a hockey fix, you're like Collins and you're, and you're not getting a lot of hockey in your system right now, check out the Canuck. No free ads, but definitely well worth it. Herm, what about you this weekend? What, what are your thoughts heading in? It's 4th of July weekend too, so it's going to be a good one. And Canada Day. We can't forget about our friends up north and Minot State. I'm just happy because I, I finally 100% completed a video game for the first time in a long time. And I've been seeing a whole bunch of stuff in my youtube recommendations 99 percent of people are not going to care about this but for a game called shadow war which is a, a lord of the rings game that came up with this insane kind of gameplay system called the nemesis system everyone was like oh this was so so good back then and i went to go and buy the game there are two games that came out in the series shadow of mordor and shadow of war one of them came out in 2014 one of them came out in 2017 both of them were game of the year when they came out guess who fucking bought the 2014 one by accident uh me and then realized four hours into the game when some of the stuff on youtube wasn't showing up in the game i was like why is this not here and i googled it and i was like okay i'm already this deep let's keep going and it slaps the whole way through it was the best five dollars i've ever spent to get 50 hours of entertainment phenomenal love that herm for our non-video game listeners can you explain that in acha terms how do I explain Shadow of Mordor in, the, in ACHA terms? You bought the ASU version of the game because it was really good in 2014. That kid that you fought in juniors, now you're seeing as a sophomore in the ACHA and he's ready to beat the piss out of you. The Nemesis system like keeps track of your decisions and plays it later in the game, essentially. So it's like a, a continuously branching story. That's the best way I can explain it in ACHA terms. All right, that that's pretty good. That That's pretty good. Collins, what, what do we got for picking up pucks this week? This one's for all my Canon users out there, my photographers and videographers. I was talking with Herm about this about an hour before we recorded, but Sony cameras, I feel like, are designed to make you hate using the camera good friend of the show laura dimartino she swears by her sony camera but i swear to god this thing is the hardest camera to ever use everything is like so utterly specific and it is just not user-friendly whatsoever i am learning how to use sony stuff it is not fun so so extremely technical herm can attest to this canon is just so much better so if you're looking to get a new camera get a canon canon colors can't beat it can't beat it. Also user friendliness. Can't beat it. So Sony is like Ohio. Their rink isn't the nicest and it can be difficult because the ice conditions are so bad sometimes. And the visiting locker room is very tiny and it's very hot. But then there are people out there like Herm who love the Bobcats. And you're like, wow, like how could you love this? I'll, I'll translate for everybody. We're, we're good to go. Fitzy, what do you got for us? I'm going to be interested to see how you translate this one. <laughs> I went to the White Sox game this weekend on Sunday. Um, I realized like an hour before the game that they were playing the Red Sox. I got to like say hi to some of the, the guys because Ryan's introduced me to him. So I, I felt like the big man on campus. But I uh, I come out to the parking lot. A guy standing next to my car. He hit the front right of it. it. You know, a good dude. He stuck around. And, you know, most people probably just pick up and leave. I wanted to ask you guys, does that count as my first like actual car crash? Because I technically wasn't driving the car. Like my car was parked. So I don't know if that counts for me as, as a first or not. I think it's like scoring in the preseason. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not on elite prospects. 
I figured I figured you'd have a good translation for him. Well, I I was gonna say for those listening who don't know Ryan Fitzgerald, Fitz's older brother is playing AAA with the Red Sox. He is like our Daniel Walcott. Like if he makes it to the MLB, we are gonna lose our minds on this podcast, and we're gonna treat him like he was an ACHA player because he was a hockey guy growing up. The whole time you were talking, that's what I was thinking about. I think that analogy works too. It's like scoring in the preseason. Like yeah, you did score, but you're not keeping the puck. Don't keep the puck from this one. Don't keep the puck. Just just the money to repair it. Happy Canada Day to all of our listeners. Happy 4th of July for our American listeners. If you are not celebrating either of those holidays, thank you for listening because that means you're you're very far away listening to this one. And we appreciate you as always. Episode 101, The Books. Thank you to all our loyal Hockey House fans. As always, send us DMs at Hockey House Pod, Twitter, Instagram. We'll even respond on TikTok. I don't think we've ever gotten a TikTok DM, but we're there. We'll send you a DM. We pride ourselves on, on the quick responses on social media. So we love hearing from you, especially during the dog days of the offseason. So enjoy the, the break. We'll, we'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. See you, boys. Yeah.